Welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast, where we share stories from amazing leaders just like you and me. We break down myths of leadership, imposter syndrome, and we ask what brave feminine leadership means and does it need to change? All of these interviews were originally recorded in video format. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Brave Feminine Leadership for news on when new video series will be dropping. It's wonderful to meet you. Drop me a note if the content resonates. Melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com. Let's get brave. Welcome to our interview series on Brave Feminine Leadership. I'm so excited to have Bobby Marlab join us this morning. Bobby, welcome. Thank you. Delighted. Before we kick into the conversation, Bobby, I will just briefly provide a little bit of your background um, and then I'll ask you to, um, to expand on that for us. So, um, Bobby is an entrepreneur, social change agent, a board member and a philanthropist. She's the chair and founder of Marlab Media, one of Australia's largest independent media and content agencies. Bobby's also the co-founder of Mentor Walks, a fast-growing national mentoring program in which many of Australia's most senior women participate. And Mentor Walks has provided mentoring to more than 4,000 women over the last five years. In January 2020, Bobby was awarded a member of the Order of Australia for Service to Women, Publishing and Philanthropy. Bobby has two sons and lives in Sydney, although we're speaking to you in Melbourne this morning, Bobby. We are lockdown. Lockdown. Bobby, for anyone in the audience who hasn't had the pleasure of coming across you before, would you mind sharing a little bit more about yourself and your journey and, and perhaps what makes you who you are? Yeah, happy to. Um, I, um, I think I describe myself as a person that is um, very curious about most things. And um, I think that curiosity was what led me to journalism early in my career. I, um, I see myself very much as, a, as an entrepreneurial woman, a business founder, um, someone who grows businesses and someone who likes to be a person that supports positive change. Mm. Um, I'm particularly passionate about gender equality, but I'm passionate about equality and diversity generally. Broadly. Um, broadly. And my career started um, after I did a honours degree at Melbourne University in history was my passion. Um, and my thesis actually led me to doing a lot of oral history. I was interviewing some senior people around Melbourne and I just loved the process of interviewing and talking to people. And journalism had been in the back of my mind and I'd gone and done other things. I lived in New York, I traveled extensively. Um, but finally decided that I wanted to get a graduate cadetship. So I knocked on every door I could find in Melbourne until people gave me commissions. And then based on building a portfolio, I finally got given a job in the business section of the Melbourne Herald. And um, so my career took off from, from there. And um, it really was a terrific start of... Um, of being um, at that time in a paper that had just been bought by Rupert Murdoch, who was trying to reverse a worldwide trends, which was the decline in newspaper readership and mm -hmm. article readership. And of course it was an experiment that didn't work. <laughs> so, um, but it was fantastic to be in that business at that time and really set some themes um, that have remained constant in the rest of my career. 
And one of those themes came from um, leaving that newspaper to join the launch of the Sunday Age in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And that newspaper was a separate masthead to the Daily Age. And they launched it without having really a clear sense of who their readers would be. They didn't know if it would be the same ones as, as the Daily Age. And it was one day I was sent to cover a story at Pentridge and the guy at the gate said, oh, you're from the Sunday Age. I love your paper. And suddenly I'd met our reader. And so that sense of audience and understanding who you are communicating with and for has really been an enormous theme in my whole career. And it underpins the development of MarLab, which is a content and communications and publishing agency, where really I think it's our deep understanding of audience and customer that has held us in great stead through, through all the ages. So that's a very wafering, meandering answer to, to your question. But um, that career starting in journalism, I then moved much broadly, more broadly into publishing. I worked with a really fast growing, very exciting company. I think I was the seventh employee. Five years later when I left, I was, um, I think there were 300 people. Mm -hmm. So I had that terrific experience about being um, a, uh, a young person with a great capacity for growth and to learn who was in a high growth company and got lots of opportunities there. And then I went to start my own business and have been in my own businesses ever since. Can I ask Bobby, uh, what propelled you into starting your own business? And did that, um, you know, did you have doubts about doing that or, or was that just away I go? <laughs> I think, um, look, there are lots of different elements. I think that I had always in the back of my head thought that I would start my own business. I come from a family background of entrepreneurs and starting your own business and running your own businesses is very much how my family rolls. Mm. And I think um, for lots of people, they come from very corporate backgrounds where they're, um, and for me, it's, it's business and um and so it had always been in the back of my head to do that. I think the timing of when I did it was not when I expected to do it. I was really happy in the company that I was working with and a whole set of circumstances convened that it just no longer worked out. And um, when I took the time after that to work out what I wanted to do, um, it was then that I thought, okay, if I'm gonna start my own business now, now is the time to do it. And it took a lot of courage to do that. And, um, and I was um, quite, I'd lost confidence in the way that, that my, um, that job had ended. And I spent some time thinking, how do I want to construct my life? What do I want it to look like? What is really important to me? What am I most interested in? And, um, and I thought, okay, well, this is now a time when you can start your own business. Um, and I went to see a former client um, to say to her, what do you think of this? Do you think I should do it? And she looked me in the eye and she said, I cannot think of a sing single reason why you shouldn't. And I will be ever grateful to her um, for giving me that, um, that piece of advice or that, that support. And when I heard that and I knew that someone out there um, who had been a client thought I was good enough to go out on my own, that's when I did it. What an extraordinary, um, you know, gift at that time to have given you. Um, you know, that phrase is very powerful as well, isn't it? It is enormously powerful. I would love to um, 
ask about mentor walks along your journey? What what was sort of the culmination of things that uh, resulted in you creating that? So Mentor Walks is a child of Ernst & Young's Entrepreneurial Winning Women program. We call it an EWW baby. Um, that program is, um, is one that has been operating in Asia Pacific since 2015, but from the US for a lot longer than that. Mm. And um, it is a program where each year EY invites 15 women around Asia Pacific who are running um, substantial businesses with the potential to grow globally. And they invite you into a one-year program where you are put with women from all through Asia Pacific. And um, they bring different, um, different people, different lecturers, different skill sets to you during that time. So you meet extraordinary people. Mm. And um, I was in Shanghai the year after I participated in the program to attend their conference and speak at their conference. And at that conference, I met Adina Jacobs, who's my co-founder in Mental Walk. She was also on the program. And we were lucky enough to meet Michelle Garneau, who is a fabulous woman from who hails from Melbourne, who launched fine dining in China. Mm -hmm. And she runs a famous restaurant called M on the Bund in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Garneau had started something called Mental Walks, which was where she brought chambers of commerce together to run these walks, I think three times a year in Shanghai and Beijing. And it just happened that she was running a walk on the Friday after the conference. So Adina and I um, hopped in this rickety cab early one morning. We went to this park in a place in Shanghai I still couldn't find. And we went on that on a walk. And I was investigating taking my business into China. And in the group that I was with, I met two women who exponentially accelerated my decision whether to do that or not. Mm -hmm. And when we got to the gates of the park, we looked at each other and said, this is such a simple, impactful idea. Let's bring it to Australia. And um, three months later, we launched in Sydney. And, um, you know, that's the beginning of the Mental Walks journey that is now in eight cities and will be in 10 cities by the end of the year and is growing exponentially. So we were, um, you know, Michelle Garner has been enormously helpful in getting us started. And um, there are other key people in Australia, like Audette Excel, um, the social entrepreneur who was um, helpful in, in um, getting, helping us get started. And now we have this incredible community of 340 senior women, all that are supporting other women through their involvement with mental walks as just one of the many things they do. Um, congratulations. And doesn't that really show what, you know, an incredibly simple idea um, but someone needs to get behind that and actually, you know, take action and, and do that. Bobby, what sort of things are people asking when they come along? Like, what are some of the themes? Oh, look, the themes really fall into, into about four buckets. One that's about career progression. Um, there's a new role I want to go for or I'm... Um, or, um, you know, what skills do I need for this kind of job or um, uh, how do I get influence or those kind of things. Um, the other area is really about um, purpose. How do I work out what I want to do um, and those kind of questions. Um, other questions are around um, 
you know, am I in the right job? How do I find out whether this is right for me? Or I have an idea I want to develop. How do I go about developing it? Or I have a side hustle. When do I know if it's the right time to do more of it or less of it? Um, lots of questions around leadership, um, managing up, managing down. I have a problem with um, someone who reports to me or I feel that I'm not being managed well. Um, how do I become more visible? All those kind of questions. And questions also about the juggle of life. Mm -hmm. um, these are my passions or these are my responsibilities. How do I do my job well and take care of the other things that I need to do in my life? What, what tips have you got for how I can do that successfully? So it's really, really broad ranging and it's all related to work. But as we know, work is one part of life. And That's the two right. come very much together. That's right. When you and I first met, um, I loved um, just a, a concept that you and I were exploring at the time, which was around confidence versus courage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me more. It's been running around in my brain since we first met. I think, look, we, we get asked about, and confidence is the issue that comes up at mental walks all the time. And actually one of the statistics we have is that, 83% um, of the women that come on a mental walk feel more confident about their issue after they come on a walk. So we know that, that it's making a difference there. And someone recently described to me um, issues like confidence really are issues about soft power, you know, uh, those skills to influence and how you feel about, about those sorts of things. But coming directly back to confidence, I think confidence is something that you develop over time based on experience. It, it kind of is like um, if you see yourself as a bathtub that you're filling up with warm water and it, it sort of it, it comes in over time. Mm. Um, whereas courage and is much more something that you take a deep breath and you leap in. It's much more of the moment, um, just do it, you know. Um, and I think they're really different things. And sometimes confidence is great to have and we all need it and want it but sometimes things take courage. And so say when we launch mental walks, that was courageous. That was like, and you know, we're entrepreneurial, so we give things a go, but it was like, let's just do it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, we'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, there are many decisions that we're all making all the time, which are just give it a go. And that is more courage. Um, and, you know, under, confidence obviously underpins it, but sometimes you just need to do things. And confidence, I love the bath analogy. Um, and, you know, I love the picture of it slowly filling up. But I think the thing we see with confidence as well is sometimes you've pulled the plug out and, um, you know, some of, that, some of that water goes at various points. I'm just wondering, have you got a time from your own journey you know, where, where you perhaps felt that and perhaps, you know, felt vulnerable? Because I think it would be really interesting for our audience to understand how did you overcome that? Yeah, look, definitely. I think, you know, if I think back to when I started my own business, um, when the relationship I had with the company I was with ended abruptly and really, um, and it was a very convoluted set of circumstances, um, and as it was a circumstance when in retrospect, I think I was bullied and the way I would deal with it now versus how I dealt with it then is a, as a young thing, um, a very different, mm. um, at that time, it took me a number of weeks 
to get my confidence back to go out there and start my own own thing. Um, if I were in that situation now, I would be over it in a week and, you know, I would have dealt with it much, much more conclusively um, and fiercely. And so that that incidents where, um, and, you know, I don't want to go into the details of it, but basically um, it ended where I left the company and it was a company I was really, really committed to. Um, so it was almost like leaving home, you know, being, you know, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, and it really did affect my confidence at the time. And um, a lot of self-reflection where I asked, you know, did I do something wrong? All of those kind of things. In reflection, I didn't do anything wrong. They behaved badly. And, um, and at the time I was, didn't have the tools or the experience to see that and stand up for myself in the moment. I absolutely stood up for myself mm -hmm. um, and you know, it ended out being fine. But in the actual situation where you have um, grown men yelling at you and accusing you of stuff and all of this kind of stuff, um, I would now be in a much better position to knock that back right, you know, knock it down and, and you know, deal with it conclusively in the moment. So um, a lot of the themes that, um, and one of the ones that sort of prompted me starting the very first series of this was hearing women talk about needing to find their voice, yep. um, you know, and not being listened to. Um, did that, does that resonate for you? Was that... You know, do you feel like that was part of that experience at all or? Um, not directly. Um, I think that um, the finding your voice is hugely important. I think it's important for all of us. And, you know, when I, can, when I look at some of the women who are working for me and how articulate and powerful and confident in their own voice they are, I do feel, um, with, particularly with, with that group, there is a change. There were not many women around when I was their age, you know, let's say in my late 20s, who had the kind of confidence that, that many of the women working with me of that age now have. Mm. And I'm so happy to see that. Um, and that to me is a sign of progress. And I know that there is a huge way to go. And that certainly doesn't apply for everyone. And um, yeah, I was going to ask you on that. Um, you know, we're we're not seeing um, movement fast enough. I think of females into senior leadership positions. You know, we're seeing traction at different levels, um, but largely women in sort of key leadership positions hasn't moved since sort of 1995. Do you have a perspective on that, Bobby? Yes. Look, I can look at what what we've done in our businesses and how, and I think that that um, when I launched Marlab, um, which is now a 20 plus year old business that has grown and developed and changed enormously. Um, what I didn't realize when I was starting it, there was I was actually creating the workplace I wanted to go to. And that, so the way I developed it really was to suit my own needs, which was the need of um, you know a woman with a young family and all of those kind of things, and um, 
So I, I can see so clearly the issues in corporate life, but I can see the solutions in, um, in small and medium-sized businesses wow. where we are able and have been able to create workplaces that I don't think just talk the talk. I think we walk the walk. And, you know, I had this enormously proud moment um, a couple of years ago where we had our executive team meeting and I looked around the room, there were two women with new babies strapped to their chest. There were, you know, two guys in, in the room. There were people from different ethnic backgrounds. I'm not saying that we've done it right, you know, but I think we are doing some things right. And, you know, our current CEO came back from her maternity leave to be CEO. Mm. Um, so we can do those kinds of things in a business our size and probably bigger. Um, but I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities and different ways to do things. And I think they're probably playing out in small and medium-sized businesses much more than in the corporates. I still hear pipeline problem. Is there a pipeline problem? In our business? No, just broadly. Do you think there's a pipeline problem? To the, to the senior roles, mm. absolutely there's a pipeline problem because, you know, if, if you're in the large corporates, um, you know, there are a lot of um, things culturally that come with that. And the thing is we've got choices. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, starting your own business or joining and joining a smaller business with a different cultural framework is a choice um, for all of us. And... Um, and, you know, I don't know that if I were sitting in a large corporate, I would want to um, do what it requires either. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, I wanted to um, ask you about the over 50 group. And this is actually a question that came through from the audience in the first series. And it was over 50 females, you know, wondering where were they going to get an appropriate go you know where they you know there's many of them thinking of career changes or out looking for new jobs what do you feel about the prospects of people in that sort of space or any advice yeah I think I mean I know that there is a globally that the over 50s cohort is the cohort that is starting businesses faster than any other group and that that is that you know there is a bias to women in that in that group mm. so um, and I think that, that really it takes um, a conscious effort for us all to think about hiring older people and for people who are more mature to think about the options open to them. Uh, I find it really, really exciting. Um, you know, I think I, I'm doing my best work in my 50s. And, um, and I think that it really, I go back to the point, I think we need to make conscious decisions to look at what... Um, more mature people bring to a workplace. Um, and I've certainly asked our business to make sure they focus on it too. Yeah. Um, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? And as I approach 50 next year, it just, it feels so young and fresh. Uh. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, um, my sister has this great term. She calls, um, she calls it your peak activation period. Mm -hmm. and, I think that once you get to your 50s, you've got this great swell of experience 
um, you uh, sort of know what you're passionate about, you've got tons of energy still. And I think it really is an absolutely fantastic time of life for, um, for people um, to, to do stuff. Can I uh, turn your head for a minute to um, leadership broadly? And, you know, I, we hear all this busy, 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 and people are doing, doing, doing. And in one of my conversations I had the other day, uh, one of the leaders I was talking to said that, you know, they often see people miss out on reaching their ultimate potential because they're not self-aware. They haven't spent enough time thinking about who they are as a leader. Mm -hmm. it, does that speak to you, that sort of comment? Yeah, look, I think self-reflection um, is vitally important. And in fact, whenever I interview people, self-reflection and self-learning is what I look for. Mm. Um, I want to see that people, one, have reflected and two, have learnt from that and from their mistakes. And, you know, a key question that I ask people is, um, were you happy with that outcome or with what you did and what would you do differently? And those questions usually um, illustrate how much they've thought about it and, and what kind of level of self-reflection they have. Um, but yeah, I think if we're not looking at how we operate in the world and forensically analysing how we go about things and the effect that we're having, um, you know, I think it's, they're the right things to do. So staying on the leadership theme, if I asked you for sort of, you know, the top three questions you think someone should ask to improve their own leadership capabilities? Yeah. Um, I think um, probably the most important one is the question, am I asking the right questions and enough of them? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that if you're asking the right questions, that's not only about who's sitting, you know, who, who's working with you. It's about the direction of the company. It's about what am I not seeing that I should be seeing? Um, you know, that constant questioning, I think, is really, really, really imperative. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's not just asking questions, but it's asking the right questions. Um, and I think that, that it's... Um, Leaders these days don't need to have the answers to everything, but they do need to ask the right questions. Mm. And that is really what I see my role as a leader in the business in being. The other um, question I would have is, are my people flourishing and am I doing everything I can to help them flourish? Um, one of the things I do with our senior team is my, my job is to make sure that they flourish and they're doing their jobs really well. Mm -hmm. if, if I do nothing else but make sure, you know, assuming they're the right people on the bus, that they are flourishing and succeeding, you know, that, that is, is terrific. And, and it's interesting because sometimes when I sit down with new hires and I say my job's to make sure you're successful, they're really surprised by that. But I, I see it as so black and white that yeah. if they're successful, you know, we will be successful. Um, and I think another question is, am I communicating well and often enough? And particularly we've seen through COVID and all the changes that we're going, how important it is for the leader of a business or anything to be a really good communicator. And that means frequency as well as how you communicate. 
Um, and so I think that capacity to storytell and to illustrate the way forward is really, really important. And that's about communication skills. Networking. Yes. <laughs> you know, people still, um, COVID's probably, you know, an interesting space for that this whole time, but um, because we're certainly doing less of the face-to-face -face handing business cards out or any of that sort of, you know, traditional sort of thinking about networking. Um, yeah, people still feel uncomfortable about it. Um, you know, women in particular. Uh, how important has it been in your career? Uh, it's vital and I love this topic. It's one of my hobby horses that I'm talking about all the time because if I reflect on mental walks, mental walks is about making mentoring accessible to women everywhere to help them get clarity and to help them build their networks. Mm -hmm. Because if you have networks, opportunities come to you. And um, I do wholeheartedly recognise that it's harder in COVID but I think there are still things that you can do. And I think what a lot of people see networking as selling themselves, and I don't see it as that at all. I see networking as building your community. And it, it's just, um, you know, and it's also interesting because the more people you know, the more interest in other things, things come to you. So I really um, think it's hugely important for women in particular to build their networks and to see it um, as, as um, just a way to move gently through the world. And it's a two-way thing. It's not just about what can people can do for you. It's possibly what you can do for people mm. and to lead an interesting world. So I think networking is vital. And when you ask the question about leadership and you say, what are the top three things? I actually question whether that should be in the top three. Yeah. Um, so networking has been hugely important to me and it's come reasonably easy to me just because I like people and because I am so curious. Um, and, um, and, you know, I'm not particularly extroverted at all. Um, and I think that one of the things I say to people about networking is understand that, that pretty much no one finds it easy. Everyone's, you know, taking that breath at the doorway thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know here, anyone here, how am I going to strike up a conversation or have I got anything to contribute? Everyone feels the, the same way. Yeah. But, um, yes, it is hugely important to do it. Someone uh, said to me um, at one stage, you know, imagine it like a, a dinner party that you're hosting at your home. Um, this was back in the days, Bobby, when we could. And, um, you know, they said, um, you know, if, if there was, your job is to make sure everyone else feels comfortable. Take yourself out of the equation, look for that person standing on their own and go and start a conversation and then include the next person in. So, you know, take the focus off of yourself in those situations and think about, um, you know, everyone else is standing around um, just as awkwardly uh, wondering about what they do. But I think it's such an important skill. It's, that's a lovely description, Melissa. And I, just reverting back to mental walks, one of the things we didn't anticipate when we launched it was the network effect. Mm -hmm. And the research that we've done, both qualitative and quantitative and deep research, has shown the amount of opportunities that have come to both mentees and mentors because of the connections they have made are really substantial. And we can even 
point to significant job creation numbers as a result of that as well, because it's about introductions people have made, um, about decisions to launch something or expand something and the hires that have come from that. It has been absolutely extraordinary. So that network effect, I think, in all our lives cannot be underestimated. So um, Mentor Walks is specifically female? It is. Is there an equivalent? No, for men, you mean? Mm. Not yet. That might be phase two for us, but really our intention right now is to support women. We're really, you know, gender equality and opportunity is what we're after. And why does that matter so much to you? Um, equality always has managed, mattered to me. I, I think, um, you know, women hold up half the sky or actually more than half the sky. Uh, I think um, fairness and equity, it's just, uh, it just speaks, speaks to my heart. Um, I think, um, I, I just think, and I, we all know how important um, gender um, diversity is to great decisions and a better world. Um, so it is fundamental to my core, um, the idea of equality and diversity. And I, I just, um, I'm, I'm not 100% where it, sure where it comes from, but you know, I grew up in a household with a very active, strong feminist mother mm -hmm. and um, saw what she um, created. And, but I just think it's about fairness and, um, and the world needs to be fair. Bobby, I'm very curious about, um, you know, as I look around the Australian landscape, at least, there's a number of really prominent organisations that are very much focused on gender diversity um, and championing women. Um, and very often the founders of those um, started their days as a journalist. <laughs> what's, what's going on? Um, you know, what's going on? Do you think that... Um, you know, is that a fair statement that there's a lot of? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting observation. Um, I'd have to think about it some more, but and I will think about it some more, but I'm not surprised by it. Mm, it's very why? I don't know. I look, I think, um, I think journalists by nature, we're very curious people. Mm. You know, curiosity is part of our DNA. Um, you know, at Marlab Media, I talk about curiosity being part of our DNA all the time. And I think, um, I think if you're curious, it's all about being a question asker. And if you're asking questions that lead to that's not right, then you want to do something about it. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's certainly been my path. I think it's that doing something about it. Um, and you shared another sort of phrase with me around show up. Mm -hmm. What, yep. what does show up mean to you? Show up means that um, how important it is, particularly for women, to show up. It means when you're invited to that event or you um, would like to go somewhere that you do it, right? Um, I think everything takes effort and perseverance and time. Nothing comes to any of us easily, even though it might look like it does from outside. Um, and um, I'll give you examples. Um, the EY program for entrepreneurial women I talked about, I had been um, given the brochure for that program months and months before I applied. And the only reason I was given it was because I was invited to a lunch that I was too busy to attend, but I went anyway. And someone said, have a look at this 
you know, we think it's an opportunity for you. Mm. And then um, after all those months with it sitting on my desk, I finally filled it in and was accepted into the program. And, you know, that program took me to China, um, you know, and led to mentor walks. Um, so that idea of show up, you know, is really important. I think that we have a rule in mental walks that if you um, if you have booked a place, booked and paid for a place, and you don't show up, um, you know, without letting us know, that's it, right? Because if you have all these fantastic senior women who are there to help you ahead, and you can't get out of bed, and you don't let us know, that's not okay, mm. right? So. When you show up, opportunities come to you. It is worth the effort. And I know often life, um, it's hard, particularly when you've got kids and all kinds of things to make the time, but it ties in with the networking conversation. It is really important to make the effort and to show up. And you can do that in a virtual world too. And it ties so beautifully with... Um you know, what I was talking about earlier about people needing to stop and pause and really reflect on who they're being. So who they're being, how are you, how are you showing up? Um, yep. You know, and what impact are you having when you do? So can I ask, Bobby, the last question I ask everybody in this series is, from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership look like? And do you think it needs to change? Yeah, I was really interested by that question because, um, and particularly by the word, feminine and I almost want to spin it and say what does brave feminist leadership look like mm -hmm. um, because to me what is really important is that all of us men women everyone in society is bringing a gender lens to their thinking and to their action um, and so feminist is different to feminine mm -hmm. um, and so for me it's I think the change in the world in these areas is about feminist leadership. And we talk about that in mental walks all the time, that it's about um, good women and good men supporting women and both in their attitudes, in their behaviour, that if we're going to get the change we want to make, um, it's going to be through that gendered lens um, look at the world. Mm. And um, so for me, the conversations about feminine traits, collaborative, all of those sorts of things, I absolutely subscribe to. Um, I think women are terrific collaborators. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the natural empathy and so forth um, is really important. And men, men have that too. I think those are qualities of leadership of the 21st century. Um, Jacinta Ardern obviously is, is the leader in all of that. Mm. Um, so for me, it's not so much feminine leadership and I acknowledge those attributes, but I really think the change we wanna see is in feminist leadership. And that requires modeling. And what we're hoping say in mental walks and what I hope to do in the leader and the businesses I'm involved with is um, is demonstrate that is to be the a person that is making sure we are bringing a gender lens to all the things we're doing um, that we are um, 
uh, and that we are accelerating that change. And furthermore, importantly, that we are modeling it, that we are showing a different way of leading or you know, diverse ways of leading um, that lead to better outcomes for everyone. Bobby, I love that. And um, I've included a number of um, you know, very strong male leaders in this conversation. It was one last time and I've got five this time around. Um, you know, I agree. Um, you know, that concept of a feminist um, gendered view uh, when we're looking at all of this is incredibly important. And I think the more inclusive we continue to be in those conversations um, across our, all areas of diversity, we'll see real movement. Yeah. Bobby, thank you for everything that you're doing in this space. Um, I wholeheartedly encourage people to take up the opportunities in their cities um, to, you know, to, to jump into mentor work, walks and, and show up. Um, <laughs> and you'll never know what could happen out of that. So I know what could happen. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. I've really appreciated the conversation today. Thanks for the opportunity, Melissa. Hello there. If you're enjoying the podcast and would love to accelerate your own growth and leadership, then head to bravefeminineleadership.com forward slash brave tips for your gift from me, where I've captured all of the amazing tips and themes that came out of these conversations. I hope they help you feel your brave rising.